0: In store for us besides the singing, I was sitting there thinking as Candace was was signing, how much uh, Jim and Vicky Brooks would be blessed by the uh, by the by the sign. Um, maybe they watched it on live stream. I don't know. Great job. Um, uh, I'm going to share with you from the Word, and then we're we're going to do our uh, our new members uh, covenant together, and um, then we're going to take. The Lord's Supper, and then we'll have some refreshments uh, afterwards, over in uh, in Ministry Center uh, One. But I want you to open your Bibles tonight. Uh, we're going to start in Matthew twenty-eight, nineteen, and twenty, the Great Commission passage, because I'm going to talk to you tonight about how to disciple someone else or how to make disciples. It's it's going to be some information that you're probably very familiar with, but it it may be presented in a way that uh, uh, that will be very helpful to you. I'll share with you tonight how I was, uh, was discipled. Now, when I use the term discipled, I, I, I mean that in a very specific way. I mean with how it was that someone was intentional in meeting with me uh, on a weekly basis, life on life, uh, and shared with me specific passages of Scripture and ingrained in in my life the the passion to to share with with others and it was a kind of a unique situation um, and i will I'll share that with you and hopefully you'll learn something from the pattern. but before we get there, I want to give you a scriptural basis for it before I give you the example, I want to show you uh, why we're commanded to do this from from the Word of God. now everyone knows I'm sure everyone here knows the great Commission passage um, the new members that were brought in heard what you have heard many times that in order to be a healthy church one of the one of our pillars is to make and mature disciples we we need to be geared by the great Commission we edify one another as we gather and we evangelize the world whether that's through the witnessing that you do on a weekly basis in your jobs and 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 in your life or whether that's Going to to Nepal or China or South America or wherever it might be, evangelizing uh, across the the globe. But the globe. But the great commission is the engine of the of the church. I would say everyone uh, uh, understands that. And the great commission passage is often quoted, memorized. That there is a single command that's there, um, and the single command in Matthew eighteen, nineteen, and twenty is to make. Disciples. That's that's the command. Um, The other going and baptizing and teaching are are participles. It's it's the the filling in the additional information about the command. They're not options, but the single command is to is to make disciples, make followers of Jesus Christ. And we've said many times that that obviously begins at a specific point. But then it doesn't end there. It continues. A follower begins to follow. Clearly, there's a point in time whenever you come to Christ, you're saved, however, whatever term you want to use. But then it doesn't stop there. It just begins there, right? You begin to follow Him. And, and so you're making disciples going, and you're making disciples baptizing, and you're making disciples um, teaching. they are to be matured making disciples of all nations. You have to go to them when they become disciples and they profess Christ through, through baptism and then they're matured by his, by his teaching. And that happens, obviously, in the church. But there's, there's not three separate tasks like we can obey one and not all of them. We're to, we're to make disciples and accomplish what the Lord has given us there. But then the idea of, of, of discipleship, the idea... That I'm going to share with you tonight is a church. We make followers of of Jesus, but followers make followers. That great commission is given to the church. It's the engine of the church. It gives us the trajectory of the church. It's our target. It's it's what we're all about. We edify the body, evangelize the world. We we make disciples. We mature disciples. But you are part of that process. As a matter of fact. Churches don't make disciples. Followers make other followers. Uh, current followers of Jesus make new followers of, uh, of Jesus. I was reminded of that in um, uh, you know, very, uh, very poignant terms as I was in, uh, as I was in, in China. Um, it's kind of hard for us to grasp uh, an entire culture and a group of people that don't think the same way we think. I mean, even here... Uh, in, uh, in our world, we, we lament about people losing the knowledge of, of God, and yet there, there's still a backdrop there. Um, you know, people, people have heard about the Bible, they've heard about Jesus, they, they know about the Bible. But, but when you get in other cultures and other places, it's, it's like blank slate there's, they know there's a God because Romans 1 tells us that everyone knows that there is a creator and they have they know a right and wrong because the law is written on the heart everybody has a conscience but just the idea of of uh, the Old Testament versus the New Testament or Israel or or really a lot of things we take for granted um, it's it's no pun intended but foreign to them I was in a conversation at uh, at dinner the first the first night that that I got there and, and one of the one of the, uh, the, the the Chinese there said uh, somebody brought something up about uh, about divorce and about marriage, and um, the one, one of the individuals said, "What what do Christians believe about that? Is it okay for them to? Is it okay for them to divorce? What does marriage look like?" And it wasn't the question that they were asking that hit me. It was that they really had absolutely no context whatsoever. Like we talk about, you know, is it allowed? And then is is, is remarriage allowed? And, and what does that look like? You know, we're talking about it within a context of understanding at least some form of what the Bible teaches. They had no idea what what the Bible teaches. Or... That there was a creator that ordained that for our good and for life, and that it's a covenant, and and then it pictures Christ in the church. I mean, all those things we take for granted. I mean, that's just like you know blank slate. And then uh, that led into a follow up conversation with someone else who was there, and then that led into you know probably six hours of, of witnessing to 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 a man um, who who just was troubled in his conscience. He'd done things in his past. He'd he'd tried to follow Buddha, and that didn't fix his problem. And and he was very interested in whether Jesus could do that for him. And I shared, and, and of course Woody shared, and others shared. But the person that had the greatest impact on him was another Chinese man, Chinese Christian, who was with us, who shared in his native tongue the gospel. And it was like, okay, I'm saying something and somebody's interpreting it. And, of course, Woody can speak the language, but not like this guy. I mean, you know, Woody's talking and he's sharing and this guy's nodding and asking more questions. I mean, it's very evident. It's like, uh, like Roberta said the other night. It's like the, the fruit's ripe. I mean, it's like ready to fall off in your lap. This guy's asking the questions. But then whenever the other Chinese man took over and he started to share and then he started to talk back, it was like, it like went from, you know, rabbit gear to, you know, to Formula One. I mean, it was like, he's talking real fast, he's talking real fast. And that went on for, for hours. just so happened that we were stuck in rush hour traffic in the middle of Beijing. Three hours we're stuck in traffic. Coincidence, right? And then that whole time the gospel was being presented, and I just thought about this, this, this concept followers of Jesus make other followers. Followers make make followers. It's clear from this passage, Matthew 28, we are to make disciples, but you have to go to other parts of the Bible to see how. And that's what I want to do. And then I want to give you an example of what that, what that might uh, look like. When you go to other parts of the Bible, um, here's your outline for this evening, at least one part. You're going to get these three components that, uh, to disciple-making that, that quickly emerge. Um it's three components, I think, whenever you look at the, at the New Testament, and then I'll, there'll be another slide that'll give you a specific example of how you can do that with someone else, believer or unbeliever. You want to mature them, you'll be able to follow that process. You want to make them, you'll be able to follow that, that, that same same progress. And when I look at the New Testament, how do I obey the, the Great Commission? What are the three components to disciple-making? I find, number one, there's an example of progress in living and believing. So turn over to 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 16, because I want to show you this in, in the life of Timothy and the Apostle Paul. I mean the first thing that you have to have if followers make followers, there's a there's an example of progress in living in and, and and believing. First Timothy four sixteen. This is the passage that you may hear quoted a lot about let no one look down on your youth or despise your youth, but be an example to believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith in. In purity. Till I come, give attention to the reading and exhortation uh, to doctrine. Verse 13 is why we read Scripture in, in our Sunday morning service and why you'll hear Pastor Stephen or others read things on Sunday night. we were to give attention to the public reading of Scripture. Do not neglect the gift that is within you, which is given to you by prophecy, with the laying on the hands of the eldership. Meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them. Now pay attention that your progress may be evident to all. So here Timothy is young. He's a young pastor. And he's saying that that could be a hindrance to you in leading people, leading people that are older than you. And the way that you combat your youthfulness is to be an example to other believers, in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity, okay? If you have a weakness in your life, be, be an example in these other things so that they'll pay more attention to you being a, a good example of following Christ than, than what they may gag on or what they may stumble over. So here you have the idea of being an example and then Paul goes on to say, meditate on these things, give yourself entirely to them that your progress may be evident to all. So you have an example of progress. There's an example of, uh, of, of progress. And then he says in verse 16, take heed, pay close attention to yourself, that's your life, and also to your doctrine. So I'm saying an example of progress in living and, and believing. Okay very two, uh, two very important components to the Christian life. It's not just doing, it's also believing, but it's not just believing, it's also doing, right? Jesus says through John in 1 John, if we say we have fellowship with him, yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. You'll know them by their fruit. So what you believe should come out in your, in your life. So he's telling Timothy, pay close attention to how you live and pay close attention to what you believe, and those two things go, go together. So there's an example. Be an example in living and, and, and in believing so that your progress is... Is is evident. Um, now, there's something that's that's, uh, that's I think is important. It's an encouragement in that passage. Um, what, what's what's important and what's encouraging is that if you have progress that's evident to all, that means that you don't start in a perfect place, right? To have progress, it means that you start back here and you're progressing as you go along. So it's not perfection, as we've said, it's direction. So you have someone that is progressing, someone is sanctifying, somebody uh, going through sanctification, someone who is growing. And their growth becomes evident. And their, their life and their, their believing, their doctrine, is, is something that, that is evident to all. So first you have a progressing follower. Not a perfect follower, but a progressing one. Now, everyone in here who is a believer should be progressing. Sanctification is happening. I mean, there's times whenever it's very evident, right? I mean, see it. I mean, you know God's working in your life, however you want to say that. There are other times when it's imperceptible. You're like, wow, you know, I just don't, you know, I mean, I go to church, I listen to the Word, I pray, I read, and I mean, there's no fireworks or grand things. Well, well, don't think that God's not at work in your life because as you sit under the Word and as your mind is changed, as your mind is renewed, sometimes growth is, is imperceptible and that's usually the way the Christian life works. So if you get discouraged by that, as I said, stand back and look at a larger portion of your life rather than just this past week. Take a month. Take a year. Take five years. And when you stand back, you'll see that there's growth that's taking place in your life, at least there, there, there should be. So component number one, I think, is that you see an example. Number two, you have a life-on-life context, making disciples. It's life-on-life. Turn over to 2 Timothy 2.2. Now, you know this passage well. This is a passage about pastors training pastors, Elders training other elders, but it gives a principle that you'll see in those other passages. How does disciple making happen? Well, you have a follower who's progressing, a follower who's who's pursuing the Lord. So you have an example of life and doctrine. Then you also—it's uh, not just okay. Well, I'm going to put my put my example on display, and I'm just going to live the life and. People will see that and they'll come to Jesus. That's not what it says. It says be an example, but then you do something with that example. You connect your life to the life of another person. So you have to engage people. It can't just be, you know, the friendship evangelism idea where I'm just going to make friends and it's just going to naturally happen. You have to engage people. So here, Paul is telling Timothy what you saw with me, you be intentional to do that with other people. And here he's talking about people that will be going into ministry. He's saying doing that with faithful men. But the key that I want you to see is is you have life on life. Paul's life was impacting the life of Timothy. Therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus and the things that you've heard from me among many witnesses. You heard from me commit these things to others, faithful men, who will be able to teach others. So you have this life-on-life component. And the pattern is everywhere in the New Testament. I mean, we get these scary passages, like in 1 Corinthians 14, 6, where Paul says, Therefore I urge you, imitate me. Do you feel uncomfortable saying to someone else, imitate me? Well, I don't want people to imitate me in every way. But where they see Christ in me, as I'm a progressing follower of Christ in my life and my doctrine, I want them to imitate that because I'm imitating Christ. I'm following Him. So you have this life on, on life component. Um, you can see it in the life of Jesus, right? Jesus went to twelve disciples and said, "Follow me," and they followed him. And then he took three and he poured Himself in 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 them. Listen to Philippians three seventeen. Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters, just as you have us as a model. Keep your eyes on those who live as we do. So you have this idea of, of an example, and then it's life on life. Paul is telling them. You know, verse 1-6, You became imitators of us and of the Lord. For you welcome the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the by the Holy Spirit. So followers are made and matured, not in mass, but one on one. It takes life on life. You can come to Christ under the preaching of the Word. You can come to Christ, you can come to faith through reading the Word. Through however it is. But progress, but in order to progress, you need other you need other disciples. And the normal pattern that you see is life on on life um, it's a relationship you're connecting with others and then finally this should be obvious but it's it's necessary there's an example of, of progress there's life on life and then and then what what do you what's your tool well your tool is the is the word of God your tool is not is not your you know your personality or your ability or or, or anything else it's it's the Word. The Word is what transforms us. Um, speaking the truth in love, in Ephesians, how we edify one another. We, 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 we talk the Word of God to one another. We speak the Word to one another. And the Word is, is what saves, and the Word is what sanctifies. It's the tool. The Word is called the sword of the Spirit. What the Spirit wields, what He pierces with, what He convicts with, what He regenerates with what, what faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of Christ, the work of the Spirit, He uses the Word, the instrument. So you want to use the Word and get people in the Bible and we'll speak the Bible to them, the words of, you know, of God. So, so those are the components that I see. Um, how those come together, what, what would a system look like, and uh, how many times you meet, What, you know, what it looks like it can vary. Okay, those are the components. Now I want to give you an example. This is not Bible per se, but, but this is a good pattern uh, to follow. When, when I came to Christ, um, you know, it was, I knew nothing, and now there was just this radical transformation that had taken place in my life and my thinking and my living. But I was clueless. I had no idea where to go, what to do, what to follow, And I just tried to, you know, go to church and get close to other people. I can remember, uh, you know, whenever we would have prayer services, paying attention to what other people were saying. You know, the the spiritual men, the men that looked like they were spiritual in the church, I would go go take a knee beside them and, and intend on praying, but find myself listening to them pray. And they were being a, a model to me. And I can remember trying to understand the Bible, and there was an immediate hunger and a desire for the Word. And I remember just reading and loving reading the Bible. But then it came to the point where, you know, where I wanted to understand a, a little bit more. And I can remember going to my pastor um, who was bivocational, he drove a school bus, but he also pastored. And I can remember asking him, uh, you know, would you disciple me? I heard somebody say, You need somebody to disciple you. I was like, Well, that's great. My pastor would be a really good guy to to disciple me. I can remember going, Would you disciple me? And you remember him being very willing and very desirous to do that, but it just it just frankly just never happened. Um and a couple of years went by. And there was a man that was actually at another church that I met. And he had the time and he was willing to do it. And he called my pastor up and asked his permission. Would you mind if I met with, with one of your members for a week? He didn't want to usurp the authority that was there and cheap steal or look like... And my pastor said, sure, I mean, that would be wonderful. I mean, it was like-minded, you know, a Baptist church and all of that good stuff. And so we began to to meet. And this is the system that we followed. And it's the system that I've used um, ever since. I mean, one of the reasons that that you've heard me, I'm so passionate about doing internships and and doing uh, training in the church and all of that is because I I struggled with a lot of error and, and a lot of just floundering around. And finally, someone took hold of me that knew what they were doing and poured their life into me, life on life, and took me in the word and gave me an example, a model to uh to, to follow. And here's and here's what we did. We met once a week, and we we read God's word together, and and what we would do is um we read two chapters a day, and everything that you're going to see here you know, has all those three components that I gave you before. There's a more mature believer, or a believer that's progressing, he put his example, his life on display, there was life on life, regular contact, which gives you accountability, and then there was also the Word of God, I and mean, he allowed the Word to, to transform, so if we would read two chapters of the of the Bible a day. So I would say to you, believer or unbeliever, you get people in the Word that you want to do. Get them in the Bible. Okay? Now, you got to know a little bit about the Bible. You don't have to have a seminary degree. You don't have to be, you know, the Bible man. You're learning. Like, we, he would say to me, I'm, you're going to read two chapters a day, and I'm going to read the same two chapters that you're going to read. And he would. He'd read the same two chapters that... That, that I would read. So I will know what you're reading. And we're going to get back together in one week. We met once a week. And I'll read the same two chapters. And reading those same two chapters, as I read it, I will pray for you and you and you pray for me. But you read two chapters of the Bible. All right? So if I had someone that, that thought they were saved, if I'm, if I'm now the discipler. If I had somebody that, I, that, that thought that they were saved that, that I was unsure about the first place I'd start with them would be 1 John. Why would I do that? Because 1 John gives the evidences of, of salvation. So I would say let's read 1 John together. We'll read two chapters a day. And I'm not saying to you, yeah, I mean, I, I hear you. You prayed a prayer when you were in you know, Sunday school as a kid, but you've been living like the devil your whole life, and you're going to heaven because of that yeah, right, I don't do that, all right? I say, let's go to the Word together. But now I'm guiding them in the Word. I'm putting them in the Word where I know the Word is going to address what the issue is. Now, when they're in there, God's going to address all kinds of things that I can't be aware aware of, which is a good thing. God has an agenda, but I have one too, and it's a good one. So if it's someone that I'm unsure about their salvation, they know about Jesus, and I'm unsure whether they're converted or not, but they profess to be, I take them to First John, because First John's going to give them the evidence. If they're a total, they have no idea about Jesus, they're unsaved, and they know that, then I would take them to the Gospel of John. It's probably where I'd start. You've probably heard that before, because John gives the story and clearly, clearly presents. So someone I'm unsure about their conversion, First John, if it's an unbeliever, I take them to the Gospel of John. Any place you put them in the Bible is not bad, okay? So you don't have to follow this. This is just what I do. Get them in the Word is, is the key, all right? If it's somebody that's struggling with their commitment to the church, I would take them to the book of Ephesians. And I would say, let's look at the book of Ephesians, because Ephesians is all about the church and the importance of the, of the church. If it is someone who wants to grow more, who understands the basics of Christianity but needs to go a little deeper? Where do you where would you start them? I'd start them in the Book of Romans, right? Book of Romans is like the systematic theology of the New Testament. And that's where you start them. Now they're going to read through First John. They're going to get through First John if you read two chapters a day before the week is over. So you have to find some supplements. And then you take them to another book, and then you take them to another book. You realize how much of the Bible that you can read through doing two chapters a day like that? You can get through a lot of the New Testament in about eight or nine weeks. So read the Word. Read two chapters a day. So there is the instrument that's going to transform you. Second, here's what he said to do. Before you read, Brian, you bow your head. You don't have to have a fancy prayer. Just bow your head and say, God, teach me something from your Word today. Sometimes he would say, teach me something new today. You would ask the Lord to speak, ask the Lord to teach you from the, from the Word. Now, what was he doing? He was teaching me to depend on God, the illumination of the Spirit, of the text, which is the role of the Spirit. Spirit doesn't give us you know, visions and dreams. It doesn't give us new revelation. The Spirit illuminates the Word. It's his role. Let's make it plain, make it clear. And he's also teaching me to anticipate, expect God, right? Every time we preach, God speaks. And when God speaks, God does something, right? Let there be light, and there was light. When God's Word, when God speaks through His Word, things happen. So I'm praying, God, teach me something new today. And then he says, look for it. You know, anticipate. He's teaching me that the Word is, is, going to, is going to be transforming. So, so pray for, for understanding. So we read two chapters a day. The other thing that he would, that we would do is we would memorize a passage of Scripture a week. It wasn't always a verse. He was careful not to take the verses out of context. If re- memorizing a single verse didn't include the whole context, we would memorize the whole context. Um, Matthew, I'm sorry, Psalm 119, verses 9 through 11. The passage talks about hiding God's Word in your heart. It was the first verse, that first passage that we, that we memorized. Memorize that because he was teaching me even as I was memorizing. It's important to internalize the Word, the word of God. So memorize Scripture. Internalize the Word. When we met the following week, he would say, did you read your two chapters a day? I'd say, yep, I did. Every day? Yep, two chapters. Yep. All right, let me hear your memory verse. And I'd have to quote my memory verse to him. He didn't say, did you memorize the verse? Yep. Okay, let me hear it. And I would repeat it to him. And he was a stickler. He wanted me to get it word for, for word. Memorize scripture. The other thing he would tell me to do was take notes. Reading two chapters a day, so I'm in the Word, I'm praying that the Word would transform me, so I'm anticipating God to do that. I'm memorizing the Word. And then he would say, Take notes as you as you read. He was teaching me to strive hard and work for understanding. Have you ever heard someone say to you, can I read the Bible? I can't understand the Bible. Well, I would say there's two reasons. It's probably more than two. One of them is they may not be saved. The other reason, though, is we, I don't think we work hard enough at it. We get lazy. We read it and go, I don't understand that. Work at it. Pursue it. And the taking of notes causes you to do that. And here's what he would say. Just write down what jumps out at you. Write down what you, you didn't know before. Write down the questions that you have interact with the Word is what he was teaching me to do. Don't just read it and go, I don't understand that. Or, yep, you know, check that off the list. He was forcing me to, to observe. Inductive Bible study. You make observations. He was teaching me to observe the Word. Pay close attention to it. You know, ask the questions. Who, what, when, where, why, how. Write down those things. And then the questions, the things that you didn't understand, I brought that to him whenever I met, and then I had somebody to ask. But it wasn't just him teaching me, it was coming from the, from the Word. He was teaching me to strive for, for, for understanding. And then he would say, every day, not only do you take notes and write down the questions, um, share what you learn. Every day you're asking God to teach you something new, whatever that was, whatever the, whatever the greatest blessing was, share that with someone else. I don't care who it is. Could be your wife, could be your mom, could be your dad, could be your coworker, believer, unbeliever, doesn't matter. Just share it with with someone else. Now, what was he doing when he was teaching me to do that? He was teaching me to he was teaching me to practice sharing the gospel. I didn't even notice know it. What's well, easy to share? Man, God bless my heart. This morning I was reading the Bible and, and I learned this about the Lord. I learned this about it. it you know, it, it's not anything anything difficult. He was teaching me. It's practicing sharing, it was it was really simple. You just share what the Lord has has done for you. And then, as I said, we would get back together and we would ask questions. We'd say, okay, you read? Yep. Let me hear your memory verse. Yep. Did you share? Yep. All right. What do you got for me? And you know, what questions do you have? And then we would just open the Bible and we would go through. Okay, you know, in John chapter one and two. You know, I didn't really understand this here in John chapter 2, verse 10. What does he mean here? And he'd say, well, let's go to the Bible and see. And we'd open it back up and we'd read the word again and, and, and then he would ask me, he would guide me. Well, what does that say? What says this? Well, then what do you think that means? And whenever I would say something that was off the wall, that had nothing to do with the verse or the context, he would say something to the effect of, well, that's interesting. Do you see that there in the passage? You know, show me that. And I go, well, I can't see that there. So now he's teaching me. Stay within the context. He's modeling the whole time. All right? Ask questions. Now, here's the one kicker. Now, I'm a guy who has been asking, teach me, disciple me, you know? Now, not everybody's going to come to you and say, pour your life into me. Here I am. Give me memory verses. Do whatever. All right? You've you got to have that relationship and initiate. Um but when I asked him, he said, yes, I will, on two conditions. One, your pastor gives me permission. And two, after we go through this process, you promise me that you'll do this with someone else. I won't do it unless you'll repeat this process. I'll give you all the material. You know, I'll give you a, you'll see it. I'll model it. But then you have to turn around and do this with someone else. And I agreed to do that. And I can remember the first time I did it was with a young man who was in high school. And I felt like I didn't know what I was doing. But all I did was just what he did with me. Uh, And I did him the same way. All right, I'll agree to do this with you as long as you'll commit to do this with somebody else. Okay, yeah, I'll do it. And he did. And I've been doing it ever since, 20 years. It's a good pattern to follow, those three components uh, that are there. Uh, life one life followers make followers um and uh it's it's the engine it's 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 how the great commission grinds along and how the gospel spreads uh to the ends of uh, of the earth and so i want to encourage you to do that are you doing that do, do you take time where you meet with another believer Are you in the Word together? Is it life on life? Are your conversations centered on the Gospel? Is someone holding you accountable to the Word? Are you teaching them or somebody teaching you? If not, I want to encourage you tonight to pray about initiating that with someone, whether you are the the progressing example that somebody else is going to follow or whether you want that from from somebody else. Um, Pray about that and, uh, and follow it. If you need more information be happy to give you all of the uh, all of the you know, these notes and and meet with you myself uh, to show you the show you the process but um, I shared this with um, with the interpreter school uh, over in uh, over in China and it was a blessing to them and so I just thought right then you know I'm going to share that on Sunday night whenever I get back so hopefully it was a blessing uh, to you